Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. How you doing? Okay, good. You guys sound pretty good this morning. It's good to be back with you. I was gone on vacation last week. I went uh, over to see the the ark. Uh, it landed in Kentucky when Noah got off it, and <laughs> like eight of you know, don't know. Okay, so that was just a joke. Okay, but I went to see the ark. They have a replica of it, actual size, in Kentucky. So I've wanted to do that for a couple of years because last time I was through there was when they first finished it and I was it wasn't going to be done for two weeks I should say when I drove through there but one of the things that happened to me and of course most of you know that I'm trying to cover all 50 states in my life while I have health and everything else and uh, so we covered also Arkansas and Missouri so I'm at 44 states now on my way to all 50 states so I'm within six now and I've been to all 50 states so my next run I think is going to be Louisiana Mississippi Alabama because I want to eat those beignets what are they called in Louisiana how do you say it? Whatever. Okay, I got it. I just want to get that white powder all, white powdered sugar all over me. Stuff like that. Has anybody ever eaten at those restaurant Lambert's where they throw the hot rolls at you? Anyone been there? I did that last week when I was there too. That's awesome. Most of my crowd with me did not want to attempt to catch it whatsoever because they could come in and hit them in the face, you know. So, But I caught them, man. I was ready for those rolls. They're so, so good. But one of the things that happened on my vacation was I got a speeding ticket in Arkansas. I told him I was Pastor Jim. <laughs> that doesn't cut any ice anywhere, okay? Yeah, I was driving on this road, and by, you know, I, I was 23 years without a speeding ticket, and I had told myself I would never get another speeding ticket because, and this is my rationale. I, and honestly, it's what I tell my wife. I do not want to give a politician money to eat for five lunches in a week. Any amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just, I just don't want to do that. And so 23-year streak over, it was in a little highway, little towns, dark, and I'm just lost in my thoughts, you know, probably thinking biblical thoughts or something like that. <laughs> and I'm driving, all of a sudden the lights flash behind me, and I go, you got to be kidding me. Oh. So I wish I would have brought the ticket to show you what they gave. Oh, my gosh, we did. It was handwritten. But anyway, everything on it was handwritten. But anyway, that happened there, and we had a good time, and so... You know, I got 44 states under my belt. Today I want to talk to you, uh, this is the end of a little two-week series on um, fishers of men and just kind of recalibrating ourselves into understanding what our ultimate purpose is, reaching lost folk and stuff like that. And, and I want to begin um, by putting a verse up on the screen. It's from Acts 13, which we'll get into Acts 13. As we, after we finish here, next week we'll start Acts again. We'll go from chapters 8 to 14. Then we'll break for four weeks for a, a four-week Christmas series. How many like Christmas series? Anybody like that whatsoever? I really enjoy them, so we're going to do that again this year from different perspectives. But this verse right here, um, I, kind of a good keystone verse for today. Uh, I want you to read with me. Those at home, I'll watch online. You got to read it with me. You, you can't act like we don't see you. It's a reverse people, okay? So I'm going to count to three. All of us read it. It's a great verse about the life of David. It says, here we go, one, two, three. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. Now, why it says there, just for 
sake of knowing, why it says underwent decay is because in that chapter, they're paralleling Jesus Christ, who's called the son of David, in that David died and his body decayed, decomposed. Jesus died, put in the tomb, but he's only in there three days and his body never decomposed. He rose from the dead three days later. So that's why they add that part right there. But I love that verse and, I, and I've loved it for years because wouldn't it be such a great grave marker? It says, you know, David, after he served God's purpose in this life, fell asleep, meaning fell asleep, meaning he died. I think that would be so good that, you know, Dan, I'll use you. Dan, after served the purpose of God in his own generation, meaning when you were born, where you lived, and then you passed away, and then when you die, you know the moment you close your eyes in death and open up, you see the face of Jesus, and he'll tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that just be the ultimate of life? Anybody agree with me on that one right there? That's like what you live for right there. What a great verse. And by the way, here's what I think is so cool, is that like David, that's talking about King David who lived 3,000 years ago, like, like so many things that happen like this. They say, oh, there was never a King David. He never lived, this and that. And then, of course, archaeology comes around, right? And then they discover an inscription, and it talks about the Davidic kingdom, that David was a real person. And then once again, the secularists and naturalists once again are proven wrong. There truly is, was a David, a King David. Now, I love the fact that he served his purpose in this life. And I think we all want to serve the ultimate purpose of God. Do we not? I think that's why we're following. Yes or no? I, I, I didn't hear a very resounding yes on that. So there is this ultimate purpose. And don't worry, I'm not so old I'll fall off. Don't worry about that. But, um, but it's questionable. But, um, but there's also all these other purposes of life. So I don't want to make it sound like from the get-go that there's only like one purpose and that's it. There's other purposes besides the ultimate purpose like I'm a husband. There's a purpose in God right there, right? I'm a father. There's a purpose. I'm a grandfather now. There's an ultimate purpose right there. There's an ultimate purpose that says I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God, daughters of God. And the word peacemaker there, it's the idea that not just that I walk around, I have peace, I have peace. No, that I, whatever situation I come into, whatever situation I enter into, I bring peace to the situation. I don't incite anything. I don't cause everybody to get riled up. I don't do those things, unlike society these days. But you and I are called to be these peacemakers, bring peace to situations. I mean, if I was a single guy, one of the purposes of a Christian single guy is respect women, amen? Respect them sexually. Don't take advantage of women sexually. Live right. Do what the Bible says. And so there's all kinds of purposes of God. People say, I don't know the purpose of God. Read the New Testament. Plenty of purpose of God in there, okay? It's just how you live your life. But there's an ultimate purpose. Now the question is, how do you find the ultimate purpose? So I, I'm going to do this little thing I did with first service. It worked, so I'll try it with you, okay? Um, question. By, sh by show, show of hands. How many of you today are rabid, not rabbit, but rabid football fans. Raise your hand. You're rabid. Okay, that's not very many. Let's try a different one. How many of you are football fans? Wow, okay, so you're not rabid, but you know, you're not, you know, foaming at the mouth at it. Okay, I get it, okay. Okay, but you're football fans. Okay, so good. So I got the next question now, and you know, what's the purpose of a football game? 
Win. It's kind of simple, right? Win. But there's better questions coming off that question. That is, how do I know if I'm winning? Wait a minute, let me back up on that. How do I know if a touchdown's good or an interception's good or bad or a fumble's good or bad or what's a safety or what's offsides? Well, how do I know what any of that is? How would I know what that is? Oh, there's rules. Oh, so there's rules. Is there a rule book maybe? Oh, there's a rules or the rule book and that rule book is probably written by a rule maker. Yeah, right? And so you got rules so you understand the game because if you didn't have a rule book written by a rule maker, you and I would go to a game and there'd be 22 guys on the field just running around willy-nilly doing whatever they want and we walk away going, I have no idea what just happened today because they're just going crazy on that field doing whatever they feel and whatever they think. But there is a rule book. And by the way, coincidentally, and this isn't rocket science. I mean, it doesn't take much to notice this. I don't know how people can notice it. But that's what's happening today in our society. They rejected the lawgiver God. And so now you see a lot of what I feel and what I think out in this world. That's why some of us look at it and say, everything's upside down. Any amens on that? Because they're just running willy-nilly out there with what they feel and what they think. And you know, what they feel and what they think, if it doesn't line up with God's word, what a person feels and thinks is not correct. Amen to that one? You need the rules written by the rule maker, the lawgiver God, to show us how to live as a society. And so we're seeing an erosion of society right now because of that very thing right there. I know that's an oversimplification, but I think it's a true simplification of the situation. Now, so you need this rule book and all these rules. So let's take it to this place now. Because we're talking about purpose and finding the ultimate purpose. So I need a rule mate, a lawgiver. The laws are in a book. And that's how I know how a football game works, if you're winning or not. So we have a rule book, do we not? And I hate to say rule book, but there are rules in there. But it's a way of living your life. It shows you purpose. It shows you reason. It gives you identity in God. It's showing you all these things right there. Now, for those who don't know, and I like to say this periodically, the Bible is not a book per se. It is more like a library. It is a collection of 66 documents. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. People will say this, true. They go, it's written by man. True, but it's inspired by God. Amen to that one? And when people say, well, it's written by man, that's why I don't read it. Well, everything you've ever read is written by man, okay? You need to dump everything in your whole life then if you're going to go by that cliche right there. But it's inspired by God, which I'll prove in a second. Um, but this, this, this book of 66 documents, written over 1,500 years, these documents, on three different continents by 40 different authors, it does not contradict itself. And when somebody tells you, oh, there's so many contradictions in there, what's the first question you should ask them? Show me three. I'll make it easy. Show me one. They can't show you any. It's just another cliche. So what I'm telling you is, whenever, and this is to, to defend your faith, whenever someone makes a proclamation like that, why put the burden of proof on you? Who made the proclamation? They did. So let them defend their proclamation. Give me the evidence. And they can't. It's just another cliche. So, now we have this whole document here all put together. But one of the great things about it that shows me it's a supernatural book is this. There are hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, 39 letters, Old Testament, 
old given and that came to pass in hundreds of years, even thousands of years later with pinpoint accuracy. How is that possible if it's just a man-made book? It's not. It's spiritually, supernaturally inspired by God and that's the only way you can get this right. When I read the prophecies and how it came to pass, and these, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know it's a supernatural book. Now, this, this collection of writings, in here, we find the rules. We find our purpose. We find our identity. It's what God says it, 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 toward us and about us and about this world. And in here, we're going to find our ultimate purpose today. And so what we're going to do is, here's what I'm going to do. I got four points. You can turn to Luke 5, and I hope that you're bringing a Bible or it's on your phone because you need to know your Bible. It's so important, especially in our day and age when you need to know the Scriptures, you need to know the truth of God's Word. Amen to that one? Because you're coming against so many lies, even more so today than even when I was growing up in the faith. Um, But we're going to give you four points. The fourth point is going to, jam home the ultimate purpose of God in our life the first three are great uh, truths from the story that will apply in Luke 5 we're going to go verses 1 through 11 so you guys ready for that you okay with that yes or no because I can just go get a donut right now and leave if you want. okay so here we go we're going to find our ultimate purpose verse 1 and 2 now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him that they're pressing around Jesus And listening to the word of God. Same thing you're doing right now. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Let me give you two quick thoughts on this. That's not your points. Uh, For the sake of understanding, Lake Gennesaret is just another name for the Sea of Galilee when we say Sea of Galilee which is its name don't think of a massive sea it's more like a lake it's about 7 miles by 13 miles that's how big it is if you go to Israel you'll see that it's just a pretty good sized lake it's not a big sea whatsoever so that's another name for the Sea of Galilee notice that they've got their their nets they're on the shore and they're washing they've been fishing all night as we're going to find out they wash them for a specific purpose and reason it's a great application because if they don't the nets will rot and they will eventually break when they toss them to try to catch fish and I love the imagery of that because isn't it true they had to wash them if we're not washed by the blood of Jesus and forgiven of sins Isn't it true that we rot and break under the weight of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and impatience and irritability? Is that not true? Thank God that God washes us, right? Thank God that we have that in our life, that we can walk around and be free on the inside through the Spirit of God. Now, here we go. Four things. One, two, three, four. Two and three are quick. One and four a little longer. Okay. Number one in your notes, and I hope you take notes, go back over it later. First one, if I'm faithful in a little, I will ultimately, I like the word ultimately, not right now, but ultimately experience what? Much, much. Now, let's look at verse three and four. 
And he got into one of the boats. Now, Jesus is now moving from the shore. He's getting into one of those two boats that are docked on the shore. These fishermen have been out all night fishing, and they've caught nothing, as you see in the story. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Simon, who is that? What's his other name? He's Peter. That's Simon Peter. And asked him, he says, Simon, put out a little way from the land. And he sat down. Jesus sits down, and he began teaching the people from the boat. So there he sits in the boat, and they're on land, and he's in the water, and he's teaching them. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. Remember, he said, put out a little. Now he says what? Go deeper into that lake now. And let down your nets for a catch. Hmm, that's interesting to me. Because if I'm faithful in a little, ultimately, I will enjoy much more. Amen to that one? Now, sidebar, quick one, for those of you in business, me as a church person leader, I've got to know this. Jesus gets in the boat to teach. Is that normal or abnormal for that day? It's very abnormal. Because teachers wouldn't get in boats and teach from boats and people on the shore. So now we find that Jesus is uh, going against the methodology of the day. He's engaging in a new, different methodology. The message stays exactly the same. But the methodology in which you encase and deliver the message has to change. Any amens on that? As a church person, leader, I have to be aware of that all the time. You as a business leader, you have seen major businesses go under, have you not? Some of them didn't change. Some of them changed too late. You've got to change with times. You're watching more and more big, what they call big box stores go down. They didn't move to online sales quick enough, amen? See, things were changing and the methodology has to change with what's happening in society. You're in a society now that more and more people are not going out of their homes. How many of you just curious, send out and have your groceries brought to you? Just, it's okay, put your hand up. How you don't have to force hands, I, I saw that, okay. You put your hand up now. How many of you do that, okay. That's, that's happening now. How many of you buy your shoes online almost specifically? Ladies, come on, raise your hand. Okay, these are changing times, right? So people are staying. How many are watch online in church now? Hundreds and hundreds every week now watch online. Things are changing. It's just the way it is. The message stays the same. Methodology changes. You have to be aware of these changes in our society. Now, that's a side. That's a free one. You don't have to tithe on that. But you've got to tithe on the rest. Here we go. Now, now in verse 3, he tells Peter, he gets in the boat, go out how far? No, no. First he says how far? A little. Then he teaches, and then he says... Now go deeper. Now, we haven't got to that part of the story yet, but because he goes deeper, what does Peter catch? A boatload of fish. We'll see that in a little bit. We know he's caught nothing on his own all night long, not a one. But now he goes a little, Jesus says, now go deeper, goes deeper, and then he catches a boatload of fish. Now, guys, 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 guys. Peter already tried this that night. And how much did he catch again? I already told you how much. None. If Jesus now tells him, hey, let's go out deeper, we're going to go catch some fish, what is Peter thinking? Come on, man. It's a useless effort. Been there, done that, no fish, out in the water. 
Can I share my life with you? How this affects me and hopefully it'll help you. Can I share that? Is that okay? You want to know what I struggle with, anybody? Yeah, I bet you do, don't you? Okay. So I've, I've, been, in, I've, I've been leading New Beginnings 30 years. That's hard to say out loud. I'm only 31. So I like, Somebody told me the other day on Friday, they said, you look like you're in your early 40s. I go, can you come and live with me? And so, um, and so 30 years. And before that, I was a youth pastor for five and a half, student ministries pastor before that. <clears throat> the one of the things you go into ministry for, and the primary purpose you go into ministry for, is you want to reach people for Jesus Christ, right? Every pastor does. And my wife and I, you can ask her, we pray periodically for all the pastors in America that are very frustrated right now, disappointed because they're just not reaching people. And you know, I pray for them. I do because it's a hard thing to have to struggle with. But as a guy who's been in ministry that long and led ministries for almost 37 years, I have gone through seasons. Seasons of like non-growth, plateau, hard recession, 08, where you lose a lot of people, and that costs a lot of people. Things that happen in our leadership that cause people to shake, and we lose a lot of people. I've gone through it. I've gone through COVID now. We're running like at about 50% of what we once ran in, in person. Most of it's online now. And so I've gone through these shifts, but it's the shifts, those seasons of non-growth and plateauing, they really hit you hard as a leader because you want to see growth. You want to see people come to Christ. And I've had many times in my life where, you know, I've sat in my backyard. I go home and I sit in my backyard. If you've ever been in my backyard, um, I used to have this swinging chair on the far back side. And, you know, I'd sit back there and I'd talk to God after a Sunday service like, what's going on, God? I, you know, I burned it because I couldn't take it anymore, that chair. I just couldn't. I didn't burn it. But I, what's going on? God, what is it? What, what's taking so long to get going here? It's like we're just plateaued. And you get very frustrated. You get so frustrated. And, and I'll be honest with you, those prayer times I had with God in the backyard, they really did help. They didn't relieve the whole disappointment, but they do help a lot. And then time goes by and you just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's like, and then all of a sudden, then growth. And you're like, what just happened? How did that happen? We're growing again? Huh? What? And you don't even know, how, how did it, what, what's, what's going on here, God? But that's the way life works, isn't it? Listen closely. If you're in the will of God, and you know this is what God has told you to do, he tells you to go out a little bit, go out a little bit, right? He tells you to go out deeper, you go out deeper, Right? even though you've already been doing this all night long season of time and you've caught nothing. Are you following me? Is it helping somebody? And you keep plugging away and plugging away and plugging away and then all of a sudden, boop! It just changed. It just grew. It just something just broke through. How'd that happen? Well, that was God. You were, you were planting you were watering, you were planting, you were watering in your business, in your marriage, whatever it is, in your personal holiness, you were doing the right thing, and all of a sudden, boom! And then all of a sudden, breakthrough. I can't tell you when, I can't tell you how, but that's the way it works. 
Does anyone know what I mean? And it's frustrating while you're waiting for it because you're God saying, do this. God, I've done that all night. I've caught nothing. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, God? Now, let me give you a warning that you and I fall into because if you're a little bit older, uh, as some of you are, not me, but as you're, if you're a little bit older, um, we live in a microwave society, right? You know what I mean by that? Everything's fast, is it not? When I was a kid, I had to wait one year to watch The Wizard of Oz. I could watch it every day, every hour if I want to today. You could put it right on, man. You don't have to wait for anything. Man, we, I remember when fast food first came out, going through drive throughs man, it was fantastic. It's like, boom, it's right there. So everything got faster and faster and faster in our life. So we expect things to resolve quickly, do we not? We read 11 verses, caught nothing, 11 verses later. Man, we have so much fish, it resolves. It's like we think life is a 30-minute Seinfeld sitcom that resolves itself right away. Do we not? And that's a danger in our lives because that can lead us to walk away from God because, God, you're not doing what I think or you're not doing what you said, so why should I have faith in you? Because we're so used to everything fast, 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 fast. No, things take seasons. So we read 11 verses, we think it should resolve that fast. No, it doesn't. It takes seasons of time for things to change, transform, break through, crops to grow in our life. Did I help anyone in this room right now? Raise your hand if I helped anybody right now. Okay, good, 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 good. So we're making progress, all right? Okay, because I know how you feel, and I will feel that way again. Now, verse number two in your notes. This is a quick one. Live a life that pleases God. Now, Peter is going to give us something very important that we live life that pleases God. And by the way, if we're not living our life to please God, what is the alternative of that statement? Please ourselves. Does anyone here like to hang around somebody who only pleases himself? Nobody does. No one does. And let me give you a little secret. If you and I only live to please ourselves, we're not going to be very pleased with ourselves. Am I right? You may pretend you're happy, but you're not. Because that's not where true joy comes from right there. Now, live a life that pleases God. Look at verse 5. Simon answered and said, because Jesus told him, go on the deep water, let down the nets. No, you caught nothing. But here comes Simon. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Now, Simon Peter is now trying to educate Jesus, is he not? Have you ever tried to teach Jesus and he won't listen? How many have done that before? Raise your hand. Besides me, okay. Good. Isn't it funny? He's not a good pupil. I mean, you probably gave him an F on the report card because he just is not going to listen to our correction. Now, verse 5, though, again. Simon answers, and Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as, but I will do as you say, and let down the nets. Hmm, that's interesting to me. Um, because, <laughs> because he's telling to go do that. I want you to think about this, okay. <clears throat> when he says, Master, it literally means Commander. It's the idea of you are the captain of the ship. Wait, back up before you start making thoughts on that one right there. He just told you you're the captain of the ship. Question, what's Peter's profession? He's a professional fisherman. 
What's Jesus' profession? You'll say carpenter. And that's cool. Yeah, you're right. But he's more, think of him more of an artisan. Because if you go to Israel, it's mostly stone. So he worked with wood and stone. That's what he would have worked with. He's an artisan. So Jesus tells professional fishermen, get out there in the deep water, cast out the nets. We're going to catch a lot of fish. What would you be thinking in your mind? Are you crazy? There's just no way. But then Peter says, he gives his rebuttal. I try to teach you, Jesus. Now listen. But master, okay, you're the captain of my ship. I surrender my boat to you. Isn't that discipleship in Christianity? Isn't it? I surrender everything that I have in my life. Everything that I am, everything I've accumulated, it's yours. You just tell me what to do with my life and what to do with this stuff. And he says, I will do as you say. I'm not going to do what I think or what I feel because I got a lot of experience in this fisherman stuff. But I'll do as you say. He obeys. And in his obedience, he's really saying, I live to please you. I live to please God. Have you ever thought to yourself, the goal of my life is to live for the glory of God? That how I carry myself, that who I am, is to reflect the glory of God. I'm here to please Jesus. And that's all I'm here for, just to please him. Have you ever thought that way? It will revolutionize your, your faith. Now, number three. Number three is this. Jesus is Lord of all. Now, Peter's going to give us another great thing. We're going to read verses six, seven, eight, and nine. Now, watch this. <clears throat> When they had done this, so he says, put it out there, throw the nets out, he does it. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to what? Break. Okay, there's a lot of fish going on here now, right? How much did they catch before all night long? Not a one. It's breaking now. And by the way, what if they never washed their nets? Ooh, there's one to think about, huh? So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Hey, there's another boat. Hey, guys, we got so much fish for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats. So they began to sink. There's so much in the boats. What's happening to the boats? It's going down. We're going down. Verse 8. And while they're going down and there's so much fish in the boat, verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw that, he sees all the fish in two boats. When he saw that in the boat, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, oh my gosh, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Let me get back to that. Verse nine. For amazement had seized him and all his companions, because of the catch of fish, um, which they had taken. Okay. Get in that boat with Peter right now. You caught nothing all night. Peter, Jesus tells you, put out deeper and they catch all this fish. And he sees the amount of fish. And he's amazed. And what does he realize in the moment? He realizes, 
I'm in the presence of a supernatural being. This is not just a human only. This guy's supernatural. And he says, I'm unworthy. I shouldn't even be in the boat with you. I'm a sinful man. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize what a sinful man I am. And it gives me greater thanksgiving for the blood of Jesus and what he did for me in my life. Because I don't deserve to be in the boat with Jesus. I don't deserve to be in relationship with him. Peter sits there and goes, I'm in the boat with this. This is a supernatural being. This is somebody that's amazing. Now, I want you to think about this. When they go out, question, is it daytime or nighttime when they're catching all the fish now? It's daytime. When they fished back then, they fished all night long in shallow water and caught fish. Jesus tells them in the daytime, go into the deep water and we'll catch fish. And their mind never going to work. Once again, methodology change and it works. Amen to that one? No. <clears throat> they start pulling the nets in. Sidebar, so many fish, what do they do? They call the other boat, right? There's so many, we got to get another boat here. Come here, guys. That, that's a very, very important principle right there. And that's this. I am not a reservoir. I am a channel. Amen? I'm not called to hoard it all. I'm not called to have everything just for me. I'm not a reservoir. I'm a channel. I am blessed to be a blessing to others. Any amens? If you don't get that one, you've missed Christianity completely. Now, let me dig in that one. That's why the 10-10-80 principle becomes so important in your life and mine. I give God 10% off the top. If I wait till the end, I ain't giving nothing. I give him 10% off the top of my earnings. I save 10%. And I live on 80. As I got older, less bills, work my way, not to have payments because you want to be smart. I can live on 70, and then I can live on 60, but it leaves me the 10, 20, or 30% savings, retirement, stuff like that. I can use that money after I tithe, I can use money, and I can bless and help other people. Amen? And that's one of the greatest, greatest feelings and sources of inner happiness that you'll ever get, that I can help someone else. Does anybody know it? Can I get a witness on that one that that is true right there? It's one of the greatest things you could ever do. That's why, praise the Lord, that's why money management is so important in our life. I'm blessed to be a blessing to others. Jesus, it says in Acts, went around doing good deeds. He was a good deed doer. Now, here's the point though. Jesus is Lord of all. Peter sees all the fish. He knows this shouldn't happen in deep water in the daytime. And me, a professional fisherman, I was out there all night and, and, and I caught nothing. And now look at all this stuff. And what's he thinking now? Let me tell you what I think he's thinking. Jesus is Lord of the fish. Jesus is Lord of the lake. Jesus is Lord of all of nature. Jesus is Lord of my job because this is what I do for a living. Jesus is Lord of all. 
That's why he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He realizes he's in the boat with a supernatural person, that this is the Lord of the universe, the creator of all. He's got the power over it all. He's a Jewish man. He knows his Old Testament stuff to a point. So I think he thinks this. The same way that God brought all the animals to Noah's ark is the same way and the same power and the same person that brought all these fish to my net. Any amens on that? You ever think about that? It's the same thing. You're the Lord of it all. Never forget he's the Lord of every piece of our life. And we please live to please him. Now, number four, we're going to drive it home. Jim, you weren't driving it home already? No, we're going to drive it home now. Number four, our ultimate purpose, colon, fishers of men. We are fishers of men. Now, watch verse 10 and 11. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee. Remember sons of James and John, they want to kill people. Remember those guys? They wanted to call fire down, remember? Kill the Samaritans. Who are partners with Simon. So they're partners in business with Simon Peter. And when Jesus said to Simon... And Jesus said to Simon, I should say, after they catch all the fish, after Simon says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, Jesus says to him, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. Let me read the next verse, I'll get back to that now. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, Peter's in shock, and rightly so. I'm in the presence of deity. I'm in the presence of the creator of the universe right here. And so Jesus tells them three things in one statement. He says, do not fear. Why does he tell them to not fear? Because don't we live in fear at times? Doesn't sharing our faith give us a little bit of trepidation? Anyone? Does it make you a little nervous? Anybody? Anybody be honest in this room? Do not fear. Your fear's not going to go away. It's always going to be there. But you move forward in spite of your fears. You're baptized, those of you who've received the baptism in power, and you know and you, the evidence of the resurrection, you know what you know, and you have been powered by the Spirit. Then he says, do not fear. From now on. What does from now on mean? It means from now on. It means from this moment on. It doesn't mean like, well, in the next 30 minutes I want you to do. No, 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 from now on. So do not fear and from now on. And from now on what? What are you going to be doing from now on? You're going to be catching men. You thought you were going to have a life of catching fish. That was just training. You're going to catch men for the kingdom of God from now on. Now, let me affirm that to you through words of Jesus Christ because you don't have to take my word for it. I'm just a guy here preaching in Urko. Now, watch what Jesus said because he's just given, this is the ultimate purpose of life. From now on, you're going to catch men. Look at, in Luke 19.10, Jesus finishes the Zacchaeus story. He says this, for the Son of Man has come to what? Come on, guys, help me out. To seek and to save that which is lost. What is lost? What's been lost? all of humanity and Jesus came for what ultimate purpose to what he's looking for them to do what to save them from their sins from Satan from eternity in hell that's what he's come for that's what the cross and the resurrection which is the gospel is all about that's what he came that's the ultimate purpose Mark 16 look at verse 15 watch this he said to them is Jesus speaking again go into all the world and preach the gospel to who a part of creation 
all create, everyone, share it, share it. And Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you'll receive, we studied this eight weeks ago. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ah, the empowering of the Holy Spirit baptism. And you shall be my witnesses, my what? Witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. In other words, everywhere. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the guy, the gal. You're the one carrying the message. This is the ultimate purpose. This is what I came for. And then Matthew 28, watch what Jesus says here. Jesus tells him, go therefore and make disciples. You know what I love about that? He didn't say go make Christians. Make disciples. You're a follower of Christ. You do what he says. You learn from him. You emulate him. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. If you've not been water baptized, you've got to get it going, guy. That's probably your next step. Get it going. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe how much? All that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you. How often? Always. Did you go to Home Depot yesterday, anybody? Anybody? Anybody go to Home Depot yesterday? Tell me something. Back there you did. You, okay, when you went in there, Joe, guess who you took with you? The Holy Spirit. He always with you always, even in the hardware department. Even to the end of the age. He's always with you. He's there all the time. And he's telling us to go. And by the word, by the way, the word go that Jesus uses, the Greek tense means you're going, going, going. You're always going. You never stop, Jim. You're going, going, going. Is the ultimate purpose pretty clear? Yes or no? It's a simple question. Yes. We're called to be fishermen and fisherwomen to catch people for Jesus Christ. Question? Okay. You guys know uh, Jonah, right? You guys know Jonah? He lives around the corner, right? He's in the Santa Ana River. Okay, Jonah. God tells him, go, witness, share the people in Nineveh, these Assyrians, who are ruthless, terrible people. Go that way. Which way does Jonah go? That way. And he was afraid. And he, plus, he don't like those guys for what they've done. Okay. And so he hops on a boat, right? Question. In Jonah's mind, on the in Jonah's mind on the boat, is Jonah a passenger or a messenger? In his mind, what does he think he is now? He's a passenger. In reality, is Jonah a passenger or a messenger? He's a messenger. See, here's where we get stuck. I think we think we're just passengers in Christianity. I'm just passenger. We have a good event coming up this week. I'm going to be passenger there. Yeah, sometimes you're a passenger, but all the time you're a messenger. At all times, you're bringing this gospel to people. That's why when we say at the end, we say, I see what I'm looking for. I've got to be aware. I've got to keep my eyes out. I've got to pray regularly, Lord, give me opportunities to share my faith and the boldness to step through it. Baptize me in power again. I want to be this witness for you, God. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, here's the problem, too. People that, well, you're the professional, Jim. You're the one who should be sharing. And you're, no, 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 no. Yeah, I am, but we're all, New Testament says we're all ministers, right? Every disciple is a minister, and we're all called to share the gospel. Look, where does God call Peter from to start sharing? What was he doing? Fishing. Was that his job? That's right. 
That means wherever you're at, you start fishing for people. Wherever you're at. That's just simply what it means right there. Okay. Now, let me share this with you. So um, I had a really, you know, my endings and messages, sometimes I struggle with them, and I hated my ending to this message. I was like, this is, you know, I write them three, four weeks ahead of time. But something happened, and it typically happens. And I thought, oh gosh, that's it. So let me tell you this, what happened to me. I got to go back a little over a month ago because the culmination of it was Friday, two days ago. And so I took a piece of equipment in to be fixed. And the guy tells me, it'll be done in a few days. So I come back in a few days. Oh, I've been busy. I got all this stuff. I'm slammed. I'm so sorry. I go, no problem. He goes, come back by this day. Okay. So I come back. He sees me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I couldn't get it. I got more business. And, I, and he goes, I'm so sorry. And I told him this. I said, hey, I'm just glad you're busy. And he goes, oh, th- you know, thank God. He says, come back this day. Okay. So I come back. Oh, I couldn't get to it. I'm so sorry. You know, I go, no, no, no problem. I go, can you, you can I get a, a loaner? He goes, yeah, I'll give you a loaner. So I take this loaner. I said, I'm not going to be back for a call. I'm going on vacation. And because between now and when I leave and then when I get back, I can't come here. So it's going to be like 13, 14 days before I get back. He goes, oh, it'll be done. It'll be done. Okay. So I go on Friday and I bring the loaner and he said, you know, because he, he said it would be done. I go, I go, it's done. He goes, yeah, let me get it out. He goes, oh, I got to do a few things. Can you just wait, if you have a few minutes? I go, yeah, no problem. So it probably took him like 20 minutes to do what he had to do. So I'm just there, just waiting. And I thought, well, I got time with him, you know. It's like, I asked him, so how'd you get started in this business? And he starts sharing with me how he got started. And then he starts talking to me more and more. He turns into a chatty caddy. And he's working on different things on my lawnmower that I thought were done, but I guess they weren't. I shouldn't have said lawn. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> Erase that, okay. And uh, real good guy. He was a real good guy. And uh, in fact, I got along with him real well. And so um, he starts talking to me about people from Corona, because he's not from Corona, he's from Orange County. And, you know, he's from, for those of you that understand better, I'll say he's from Santana. So you got that? Okay. Some of you go, I feel at home now, you know. Yeah. Um, so um, he's naming people, old-time corner people. I go, I know them, and I know them too. I go, that person grew up around the corner from me. And he's naming the stuff. I go, oh, yeah, that's a market I used to go to when I was like this big. We used to be able to walk a block in our town and not be kidnapped or anything back in those days, you know. Yeah. You know, so... And he's talking more and more and this and that. And, and, I, and then finally, he looks at me. And we're talking for like 20 minutes. And he says, so what do you do? And at this moment in time, it used to, I used to feel like once I say it, they're going to run for me like I'm the plague, okay? <laughs> they're going, oh gosh, you know, get away from this guy now. I told him, I'm a pastor. Now, let me tell you, I have to insert some, a parenthetical thought here. And that is this. Up to this time, you know, Maybe 35 times he gave the F-word colorful metaphor in his conversation. So it was pretty regular, okay? It was like, it's, it's flying, you know? 
And, and I don't, okay, whatever, because before I was a Christian, I, the F word flew, man. I was just like, that's the way I was. How many of you cannot imagine me saying the F word? The rest of you can? <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, I could see you saying that. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not going to judge. He's a non-believer. That's the way he's going to talk. That's the way I talk. And by the way, for the sake of this, for the sake of not anybody feeling bad, look, I know there are Christians in this room. You try your best, and you're always afraid around other Christians because you're trying to change. You're afraid the F word's going to drop out of your mouth. Anybody, just be honest right here. Raise your hand. Okay, say it. Okay. Okay. Could you get that on film? Because that's what the whole goal of this morning was. Okay. Because the trap door to hell is going to open. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Because I, look, we're all growing, we're all trying to change. I get it, I get it, power of spirit. And so he stops cussing. And then he says this to me. We got in this conversation, and here's what he said. He's not even a believer. He says, these, a lot of these Christians, he turns into a theologian. He goes, a lot of these, it's a great observation. He says, why all these Christians? He goes, they only turn to God when they need help. And I thought, what an astute observation. I go, you mean when they're in trouble? He goes, yes, when they're in trouble. Why do they do that? I go, I don't know. I go, but it'd be like this. And I'm trying to, now I'm trying to get in there quick now before he keeps talking. He's a chatty catty. And so I said, it'd be like you as a father. You have a child. And your child only comes to see you when they need you for something. And then they split and they're gone for six months or a year or a year and a half. And then when they get in trouble, then they come back, daddy. He goes, yeah, that'd be awful. I go, it'd be really bad. I go, that's the way Jesus feels all day long. All day long with so many Christians. And then I'm trying to insert, I said, Christianity, I said, Christianity is a moment-by-moment moment relationship with Jesus Christ, and you do not back off it ever. You stick with him the whole time. So, and he starts talking more and more, and the conversation ends, because he's got to get back to his business. I got in my truck, and I remember this thought came into my head as I'm driving home, because I analyze things, I'm just that way. And I thought, and I'm not trying to butter myself up. This is just, thank God I did it right this, this time. I thought all the times that I went there and it wasn't ready and it wasn't ready and he gave me another excuse. I never got irritated. I never got angry. I never blew up. I never said, what's wrong with you? I'm taking my business elsewhere and I'm gonna go on Yelp and tell everybody about you and this. I never did anything like that. You know, I never did any of it. And I thought, thank God. Thank God that my witness was right. So when I did bring up Jesus and it came into the conversation, I had credibility. Because remember, he already made his own astute observation that there are a lot of Christians that just turn to God when they want something. So thank God in that small framework of time, I got to be able to be a right witness and get into the mindset and the soul of this verse. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something that's very important now, today. That's why it's important. Because at, any, at no other time in history, as far as my lifetime, the number one sin in America is hypocrisy, is it not? And let me tell you what that is, in case you got me wrong. I always joke and I say, I'm not running for any offices. Because I've been a Christian for 43 years, but if I ran for an office, they'll go back 44 years ago and find out something I did. And they'll bring it up and say, see what he's like? Yeah, like I can't change from 44 years ago. 
But that's what they do today. So they're always looking at everybody's a hypocrite. And what drives me nuts is the people who scream the loudest hypocrite are the biggest hypocrites. They can't, they're trying to fix everybody else. They can't even fix their own life. Have you ever thought about that? They're sitting there looking at everybody's little speck in the eye and they got logs all over them. And, and, but it's like, oh, they got a platform though. It's insane. It's just insanity. But hypocrisy is the biggest sin in our, in our nation right now. But for, and by the way, everybody in this room, including myself, we're all hypocrites a little bit. Are we not? So let's get over ourselves, okay? We just get over ourselves. But we've got to carry this witness so that when we get to share, when the opportunity arises, the credibility is there. I have lived the faith. I have walked it right. And that person can see that. And they can't pick apart and say, well, you're like this, 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 and this. They can't say, well, you take all, if you take a lunch, but you take a two-hour lunch, you cheat the company. Or I saw you take these parts from the company. Or I saw you telling this dirty sexual joke over here. You see, they, they shouldn't be able to say those things about us. Oh, I, I heard you talking about that lady. Oh, I'd like to get that lady. And you're, you have a wife over here? And you say you're a Christian? So they shouldn't be able to get us like that. We should carry a good witness. And I just thank God that it's like, okay, I did it right. Over, over a month worth of dialoguing with this guy, I kept my witness. And that gave me the doorway to share my faith and to talk to him about Jesus Christ. And that's the same for every one of us. Every one of us. Amen. Let's stand up. Now, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you've never given your heart to Jesus, come on man let's do it or if you backslid come on let's do it let's get it right Jesus needs disciples in this day and age he needs people that walk as light to reach a lost world but if you've never given your life to Christ you're teetering on the brink of disaster and that disaster lasts eternally because when you sin against God you sin against an eternal being, therefore the judgment is an eternal judgment. But Jesus comes along, the eternal God, and he says, I'll die in your place on a cross and shed my blood to forgive you of those sins so you don't have to suffer an eternity in judgment in hell. What a great deal he gives us. He did the work. We just put faith in him and live for him. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's the day. Or if you back said, let's get back. Come on, let's, let's, let's get the fire back. Let's get going. So if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus today, become a follower of Christ or rededicate your life, very quickly, open your eyes and look up at me right now if you want to do that. And I'm going to look back at you. When our eyes meet, you can close them. And I'm going to look around the room right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless. God bless you and you. 
God bless you. And you. Now I'm going to say a simple prayer. Very simple. You just repeat it out loud after me. Everyone's going to say it with you here. Those who looked up. But you put your faith in Jesus. And the Spirit of God is going to come to dwell in you. And He will never leave you or forsake you. And your sins will all be forgiven. It's a great deal. But you're going to become a disciple of Christ now. So repeat after me, everyone, especially those who looked up. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to die for me and shed your blood to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven. I give you my life. I surrender. You're the captain of my ship now. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone that looked up. Follow Christ now. If you don't have a Bible, go into our lobby, the Welcome Center. They'll give you a free Bible. Read in the New Testament for a couple years. Stay right, right in there, in those gospel areas. Start coming to church regularly and worship God. You need to grow. You need to be in fellowship. You cannot be a branch that's disconnected from the vine. You need to grow. Thank you for saving people. For the rest of us, it's time to be more aware of sharing our faith. People are searching. People are hungry because it's a topsy-turvy world. And we can walk as light in the midst of darkness. It's our ultimate purpose. And thank you, Lord, for that, that you came to seek and save that which is lost, and you give us the mantle. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen, amen and amen. Now, here we go. Out loud. Come on, with gun- unction. Lord, keep me outward focused. It's not good enough. Come on, give me a little more. I didn't hear you at home, by the way. But everybody out loud. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church. Because I see what I'm looking for. And make me into a generous person like you. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great, great day. If you have a physical offering, you can drop it in the doors there. God bless. Have a great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.